Okay, guys, we're we're looking at the basics of the Christian life, and we're in the, really in the second week of the first component of that life, which is the Word of God. And so we're going to look at a couple things. So again, the first section of our notes here is, is something that we've already talked about over the last few weeks, but I've got to remind you again as we talk about the Word of God. First of all, the Christian life is not a set of actions that must be completed. You say, okay, I got that, George. Why are you keep hounding me about this point? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. You have to be reminded that when it comes to your walk with Christ, when it comes to your Christian life, now let me just stop for a moment. When I use the word walk and Christian life, those, those are terms that are synonymous reflecting your life in Jesus, the new life that you have. So when it comes to your walk in Christ, we have a tendency to default to a behavior where the Word of God or prayer or any other component becomes just a ritual or a set of actions that I must complete for me to think that I'm okay with God. That's our tendency. So we need to think in terms of that my life in Jesus, my Christian life, is not a set of actions for me to be completed. It's not, your Christian life is not based upon whether or not you show up here. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Showing up here is important, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks, but it's not the basis of your Christian life. Do you understand what I'm saying? The basis of your Christian life is something completely different. What is it? The Christian life is a relationship with the living God. We've got to recognize what the issue is, is that the Christian life is a relationship with the living God. So when we look at things like prayer, and when we look at things like the Word of God, which we're going to do today, when we look at giving, and we look at evangelism and fellowship, and all these different components of the Christian life, I want you to understand that these are issues to help you in your relationship. And remember, we, used, we, 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 we illustrated the Christian life by talking about that it's like marriage. So if you don't ever spend time with your spouse, you don't ever talk to her, how far is your relationship going? It's not going far at all. There there is no relationship there. It's the same thing. So if you're not... See, when you talk about prayer, God's Word, and all of those, those are components of a relationship for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we've got to see the Christian life as a relationship. Now, the first and key component of that relationship is the Word of God. The first and key component of that relationship is the Word of God. So that's where we're going to spend our time today. So what we're going to spend our time today is we're going to look at two more sections, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the importance of God's Word. Why is it so important for you to get God's Word into your life. We're going to see what the Bible says about that. And then we're going to look at five ways for you to get God's Word into your life. We're going to look at five specific ways for you to get God's Word into your life. So let's talk about the importance. First of all, 1 John 2.5 says this, But whoever keeps my word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in Him. First John 2.5 says this. So what's this mean? First of all, 
God's Word produces maturity in our lives. When you look at 1 John 2.5, it uses the word perfected or perfect. It's not talking about that God's Word make you perfect as in what we defined as a perfect person in our mind, but you could actually use another word there for perfect or perfected, and that's matured or mature. So if you want to mature in your relationship with Christ, the key to that is God's Word. Now you say, what do you mean mature in a relationship? Let's go back to a marriage relationship. You know, I'm going to be married to, I'm married to, I've been married to Lori 18 years, over 18 years now. And, and, I, and I can already tell you that my relationship with Lori now is completely different than 18 years ago. The level of interaction that I have with my wife is completely different than 18 years ago. 18 years ago, we were in love, we got married, and we were getting to know each other. Do you know what I mean? When you move in with somebody for the first time, when you get married, there's, a, there's an adjustment period in your marriage, isn't it? Because before when you were dating, he went home, and you didn't know that he threw his underwear around the house. Do you know what I'm saying? So now that you get married, you're like, what am I married to? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? And guys are the same way. I didn't know it took you that long in the bathroom. You know? I mean, you know, those are things that you adjust to. It's called what you do is you mature in your relationship. The longer you're married, the more you mature in your relationship. See, it's the same thing with Christ. The way you grow and you mature in your relationship with Jesus is what? Through His Word. By spending more time in His Word, understanding Him more. Like, you know, here's the thing. When I look at Lori, where she is now, and where we were 18 years ago, she knows me far better now than she did 18 years ago. I know her far better now. Now, I still don't completely know her. But I know her a whole lot better than 18 years ago. Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm Now, just when I think I've figured it out, I'm, I'm always surprised. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing with you. You know, so the reality is, is you're maturing. That's what a relationship is. It's growing in maturity. It's growing in maturity. The next one, look at the next verse. First Peter 2, 2 through 3 says this, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now here's the other thing. God's Word results in growth in our relationship with the Lord. This is a little bit different than maturity. This is a little, this is, when you look at what he's saying there in Peter, he's talking about me growing up like a newborn baby grows up. And with a newborn, the amazing thing, remember your little ones? Remember when, as they were growing, when they began to experience new things. Some of you can remember facial expressions when you fed them something new. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, spitting it out or, you know, just the different reactions, the excitement about different things that now we just take for granted. Here's the thing. That's called growing. 
And so Peter talks about that we grow in our relationship. In fact, look at the last part there. First, chapter, chapter 2, verse 3. And have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Part of my growth is that I experience God. That I taste Him. Now, I can't literally taste God. But what the expression is, is that I have experienced Him. And I've experienced Him specifically here that He's gracious. What the Word of God helps me do is to experience God. Now, see, here's the thing. Like, you know, we talked about that there's two sides to the ditch. One's legalism and the other's experience-oriented. And that sometimes you can go off on a tangent and be totally distracted by and totally fall into the ditch of where everything has to be experience-oriented and you're looking for the newest experience. Remember I talked about that in our first lesson? Now, here's what I'm saying. We're not anti-experience here. I just want to say that up front. We're not anti-experience. I believe very strongly that you can have a meaningful experiential relationship with Jesus Christ. But what I want you to understand is, is that what the Bible tells us, it comes out of what? The Word of God in my life as I grow. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you can have experiences that are not rooted in what? The Bible at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and what happens is, is when we make those experiences our authority. What's our authority, though? God's Word. So what I want you to see is, is that God's Word results in our growth, our experiential growth in our relationship with Jesus. Let's go on now. Verse, uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Here's a few verses. These are familiar passages to you. Let me read them to you, and then I'll tell you what God's Word does in our lives, why it's so important. But be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful, a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now here's what I want you to see. God's word calls us to action. Remember what I told you one of the wrong approaches to the word of God was, is that you view it as a book of promises? It is, you know, yeah, there are promises in the Bible, but that's not all that it is. God's word is a living book. It's his word in which he reveals himself to us and his ways and his commands and what he wants from us. So when I read his word, his word is going to call me to action in some area of my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? His word is going to reveal something to me. So for instance, my devotions right now are in Second Chronicles. I'm going through the historical books of the Old Testament. And so my devotions and what I'm reading on my own in God's Word is in Second Chronicles. And, and so as I'm sitting there and I'm reading, I'm struck by how these kings either start off good and end up bad, or they end up bad. And some, a few of them are good. And so what's, what's, what God is speaking to me about is, okay, what kind of a leader are you, George? 
You can start off good, but are you going to finish strong? Because so-and-so here, and I remember this guy over here, he started off good, but he didn't finish strong. This guy over here, he was a total schmuck, so much so that people were happy when he was dead and they didn't bury him in the tomb with his fathers. What kind of dude are you, George? So God's Word, when I read it, the Spirit's going to talk to me. Remember, He's my guide. And He's going to what? He's going to call me to action in my life. You understand what I'm saying? Now, here's what happens, though. This is typical. When you read that and you're called to action, this is what James is talking about. We just kind of forget about it and go on. We'd rather hear than do something about it. And the problem is is that you're like a guy who looks in the mirror and says, oh, wow, you know, I need to wipe that smudge off my face. And uh, he forgets about it and goes on. And he's got walking around with smudge on his face. You know, I, I got a coal furnace downstairs, soft coal. And every time I go down there and come back up, my wife's got to say to me, have you looked in the mirror lately? Because I have, I don't know, I get, you know, I get down there and I, I, I rut and I got a big black streak on my head or whatever. And if I, you know, I should learn by now, why don't you go look in the mirror and wipe your face after being downstairs, you know? You know, this is what he's talking about. The Word of God is not just something for us to read. It calls us to action. It calls you to do something, to change something. Do you understand what I'm saying? It calls us to do something, to to change something. Let's look on to the next scripture here, and I'll read it to you. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. Here's what I want you to see, the next thing about the Word of God, why it's so important. God's Word reveals our inner thoughts and beings. And I want you to... I want you to uh, let me just make this statement, and then I'll, I'll, I'll help you process a little bit. I want you to realize you're not that good. And here's what I want you to write down. Even your best motives can be wrong. Even your best motives can be wrong. Even And that even comes when it comes to doing church stuff. You know what I'm saying? And you, you, you're doing church and, and, and you think, man, what I'm doing is, is for the right motives and everything. Even your best motives can be wrong. Period. How can I say that? Well, Jeremiah says that our hearts are wicked who can understand them. The very essence of your heart, the very essence of who you are, is sinful. It's wicked. And we can deceive ourselves into thinking that our motives are pure, that our motives are right, that our motives are good, that the reason why we're doing what we're doing is good and right and so forth. And so it's very easy for you as a Christian to be deceived about your motives for what you're doing. In fact, I was just thinking about that this morning. But what the Word of God does is, when you get into the Word of God, it's like a sword. It, it cuts right through to it, and it reveals what about you? Everything about your inner thoughts and your being. It exposes your motives. 
That's why some of us don't like reading it. I mean, it's okay to be given a promise. Woo, I love that. But when it's stepping on our toes, I maybe need to change the chapter I'm reading. Maybe go to the New Testament or change a different book or something. You know, I was interesting. When you talk about motives and stuff, this morning I was thinking about this this morning when I was in the shower. Or it might have been here when I was doing a coffee. I remember it would have been maybe 1986 or 1987. I was living in a ministry house a block away from the campus of the University of South Carolina. And I lived in the attic. They had an attic apartment up there. Well, it was an attic room. The, it was like guys lived on one side of the building, gals lived on the other. It's a Christian ministry that was there. And, and I remember being up there in my devotional time. At that time, I was reading through Kings. And I was reading about Solomon and a vision that he had when God came to him and said to him, What do you want? I'll give you anything you want. Ask me what you want. And, and Solomon said, Well, I, just give me wisdom. To know how to shepherd your people. And God was very pleased with that and said, Well, good, that's a great request. And because that's what you asked for, I'll give you riches and everything else too. And I remember praying at that time and saying to God, God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. And I feel God has answered that prayer. But here I was realizing just here the, just this morning that my motives weren't totally pure. That I may have wanted wisdom, but the money would have been good too, God. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, remember, I'm 19 years old when I prayed that prayer. Do you understand? I'm, I'm immature. Here I'm at 45, and I'm realizing, because a lot of times I'll think about that, and I'll think, God, you gave me wisdom. Thank you for answering that. But today it was like, yeah, you answered that, but I wasn't totally right in my motives either. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? God's Word will reveal to you your motives. This is why it's so important. Look, you know, most of us, can I be honest with you? You've got to realize something. Here, here's what you've got to realize. I've got to realize you're never going to arrive in this world. You are always learning. And the person that you need to be learning about the most is who? You. Yourself. You're always going to be learning. Don't ever get to the place where you think, well, I know everything there is to know about me. You don't know nothing about you. Can you tell me how many hair you have on your head? All I know is, is more and more of it's fallen out. You do know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's getting, and some people just give up. They don't want to count. Okay? Now, here's my point. You, you've got to be learning about you. Now, how do you learn about you? How do you learn? When you talk about you, it's not how you look in the mirror. It's who you are on the inside. Now, how do I know that? God's Word. God's Word reveals who you are. That's what's so important about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, everybody else could think you're the greatest guy there is, but on the inside, you know you're a schmuck. Why? How do you know you're a schmuck? Because God's Word tells you you're a schmuck. Because your motives aren't right. Your thoughts aren't right. Do you understand what I'm saying? In that sense, we're all hypocrites, aren't we? 
we put on a good front, but on the inside we're not really doing that well. And here's the other thing I want you to see. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, very familiar verse. I often use this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It, what, is it, what are we saying here? Here's the next point I want you to see. God's word, it's importance. God's word renews our mind. God's word renews our minds. You want to know how to change your way of thinking? You want to know how to change your, your, your concept of life? You want, to, you want to get out of the stinking thinking and get into the right way of thinking? The way for you to have your mind renewed is reading God's word. God's word will renew your thinking. That's the importance of it. So we've seen the importance. Now let's talk about five ways to get God's Word into your life. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Navigator ministry? How many of you have heard of the Navigators? They've been around for years. Anybody here? Okay, Scott has and Art has. Uh, years ago, they started up, I think, basically before World War II. They were very, very strong ministry during World War II. Their founder was a man by the name of Dawson Trotman. And their whole point in the Navigators ministry was discipleship. Discipling, it was a parachurch organization, discipling others for Christ. And they still exist to this day. Now, they came up with a couple of illustrations that I think are very helpful. One is the illustration called the hand. And the hand represents five ways to get God's Word into your life. Okay? So if you want to write that down, if you want to draw a hand, that's fine. On your paper, you can. But there are five basic ways for you and I to get God's Word into our life. Now, the reason why they use the hand is is that if you're going to get a grip on the Word of God, you've got to have what? A hand to get a grip on it. So that's, these are the five ways. The first one is very simple. Most of us here experience that, especially every Sunday. It's called hearing. The hearing of God's Word is listening as it is read and preached. Read aloud and preached. The hearing of God's Word is listening as it is read aloud and preached. So the very first simplistic way that you can get God's Word into your life is simply hearing it read aloud. So when somebody may read aloud a portion of Scripture, either in church or on the radio, or when somebody is explaining it, that is preaching it, either in church or on the radio. Or if you have a CD and you're playing it. So this is the most simplistic way for you to get God's Word. Now all of you should be hearing God's Word in your life. Period. So what happens is, is that through the hearing, let me explain to you what happens now, the Holy Spirit will take what you hear and speak to you about whatever he wants to speak to you about. And let me explain something. This is how it is amazing to me. I've been preaching 20 years now. I've been a preacher for 20 years. And I'm always amazed. Sometimes I'll have a conversation with somebody after a message. And they'll come up, a couple things have happened. I can sit up there and I can preach and I'll think while I'm preaching. I don't realize this. When I preach, I think a lot. Well, i got a lot going on in my mind while I'm preaching. 
And a lot of times, one of the things that goes on in my mind is, this message stinks. I'm dropping a bomb in here. Holy moly, when is the time going? When am I going to get through this? Okay? So I'm thinking that, and almost without, at the, at the, end, of the end of the message, it said goodbye, people come up and say, man, that was a great message. Well, who did you just listen to? Do you know what I'm saying? You, God, that really spoke to me, and they'll tell me what area of their life they're speaking about. What's going on there? I still know I stunk. Okay? What happened? The Holy Spirit took His Word and spoke to that individual at that time about whatever they needed to be spoken to about. That's the bottom line. You understand what I'm saying? And this happens sometimes here. I'll preach, and somebody will come and say, man, God's talking to me about this. It had nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But God's speaking to them. Did you understand what I'm saying? So the first and simplistic way of getting God's Word into your life is, is hearing. Here's the second one. The next one is reading. This is obvious. This involves the simple reading of God's Word. What that means simply is, is that you take God's Word and you read it. Now, we have some tools back here on the back table. I should have brought one of these up here. Let me grab one here for you. This is simply just reading through God's Word. Now, on the back table, we have a Bible reading guide. Now, this is a little bit different. Um, it, it's, it's not a time thing, because some of you are used to reading through the Bible in a year. This is basically just a way of you keeping record of what you've read and giving you a pattern to read through what's next. It starts off in the New Testament, then goes into the Old Testament. But what you do is, is you simply read it. And a lot of times that's what I do. I simply read through passages of Scripture, chapters, books of the Scripture, sections of Scripture, and God will speak to you. Remember I told you, he's, there's been, you know, just when I was going through Chronicles, what God was talking to me about, what kind of a leader are you? You know, so the, the second way is, is that you read it. And so, can I be honest with you, every one of you here needs to get into the discipline of, and it's exactly what it is, discipline. You need to get into the discipline of having a time where you read it. Where you read it. Now, for instance, you know, I like the daily breads. They're good. The problem is, though, is you can get in a habit with the daily bread of just simply reading the story and never reading the Bible that goes with the story. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you need to, because the, the power is not in the daily bread. The power for your life and the maturity that's going to come from, that should result in your life, is going to come from what? The Word of God. The growth is going to come from the Word of God. So you really need to read. So this involves a simple reading. Now here's the third way. Studying. This involves going further and examining the meaning of God's Word. So this is more than just simply reading it. This is maybe taking a section, really, really studying it to find out exactly what is the author, what is the Holy Spirit trying to communicate there. And so that maybe may require getting a few tools like a, a commentary or a concordance or, or something like that, a Bible dictionary to help you to understand 
And even today, there are tools that are available now that weren't pretty much available when I first started out in ministry. And that's, you know, there are, there are commentaries that will help you to understand the culture and the customs and so forth. So when you read that, that's where you, that's where you understand how it fits in their time and then you bring the principle over to your time. That's what studying is. So studying, it involves going further and examining the meaning of God's word. Now here's the other one. Memorizing. This involves taking God's word and internalizing it. This is where you memorize passages of scripture for you to use in your life later on. In fact, Psalm 119, which I would recommend you reading Psalm 119 period because it talks about the importance of God's word in, in David's life. Here's what David writes. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what's he saying here? I've hidden in my heart. What's he doing? He's memorizing God's word so that it will help him so that he doesn't what? Sin against God. Okay? So the key thing there is memorization. Now, let's go back to our hand illustration. I just gave you four fingers. Hearing, reading, studying, memorizing. Those are four fingers. Now, can any of you try to pick up a Bible without using your thumb? I mean, you can try it, but you can't really get a good grip on it. The fifth one is meditation. That's the thumb. So with the thumb, I can take any one of my other fingers and have a grip on it. But I can really grasp it with all four if I have the thumb there with it. So what is meditation? Here's what it is. It involves taking God's Word and thinking about it. It involves taking God's Word and thinking about it. Now let me just stop for a moment. I need to clarify something. Because we live in an age today, in a pluralistic society as we do, where you may have a wrong concept of what meditation is. So, for instance, you might be thinking in terms of some yogi something or another, or some Bhagwan this or another, and transcendental meditation, which is an Eastern form of meditation where you empty your mind. That is not the meditation that we talk about here in the Bible. In the Bible, meditation is completely different than that. Because rather than emptying your mind, you are filling your mind with what? God's Word. So what you're doing is, is you're taking a passage and you're thinking about what it is that, number one, you heard, number one, you, two, you, you've read, number three, you've studied, or number four, you've memorized. Do you understand why it's a thumb? It works together with all four of those. It's thinking about it. So, for instance, let's talk about hearing for a moment. Do you know what? The growth for you in church is going to actually take place after church. You say, what do you mean? The growth for you in church is taking what you've heard and don't leave it here when you leave, but take it with you and think about it. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, can I be honest with you? I'm not really... If, if you know me well enough, I, you tell me it's a great message, I'll be like, oh, okay. Because that really doesn't mean anything to me. It's what you do with it later on. It's whether or not you thought about it and let God speak to you about it. See, that's what meditation is. It's like when you read, how many of you have done this before? I've done this, I'll admit this. 
you've read the Bible, and 20 minutes later you can't even remember what you read that day. I've done that. Meditating is thinking about what you've read. Meditating is thinking about what you've studied. Meditating is thinking about what you're memorizing so that you can be ready whenever sin comes up to say no to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the thumb. That's why it's so important to get into your life. Now, okay, next week we're going to look at prayer. All right, well, let's close our time in prayer and get ready for the morning worship service.